to you from the Black Swan Media Studios. This is Fireside Chats, talking to the real difference makers in the world. Now, here is your host, John Crump. And we are on the air. Happy Thursday, our last live stream of the week, and it cannot come any sooner. Um, it is my Friday, kind of. I got to write some more articles. So my work never ends. Hi out there, Joe. Um, Drag, who is a member of our YouTube army, our YouTube militia. You can join, too, by hitting that join button down below that you can see. And your nominal donation can help me. Um, I just want to start out right now with something very serious. I want to ask everyone to pray for Bella. Um, I just want everyone to just the uh, power of prayer. I don't know. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but everyone just do it. Um, yeah. So with that out of the way, um, I just want to remind everyone I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash John Crump, where you can help support me. We are brought to you by Tusk. Tusk is the universal sediment coin, which is the only gun-friendly uh, cryptocurrency in the world. Um, it's made specifically for fast processing, uh, and I have some exciting news that they are very close in getting their processing software written. We are also sponsored by Heavenly, uh, Heavenly Natural Products. This is their C60, their avocado oil. Avocados are very healthy for you. So I don't know why you wouldn't take it. And I hope you're protecting your immune system just like you're protecting your two-way rights. One way to boost it is with avocado oil like C60 products. They have 172 times more effectiveness against oxidative uh, radicals than vitamin C. So avocado oil is better for you than vitamin C. People would try heaven, heavenly, C, heavenly C60 fill distinctive immediate increase of energy and endurance and it really does i do a lot of writing and it really has helped me um the product is amazing uh past year they have over ten thousand new customers have tried the heavenly natural product and became customers this amazing number this is an amazing number considering 2020 because it's been kind of crazy if you go to heavenlyc60.com and use code crumpy you get 20 percent off all right with that out of the way let's go ahead and introduce our guest everyone's been wondering about uh what's been going on in the united states but we don't really talk too much about canada on the show so i need to have a canadian gun rights activist on the show oh by the way before we get into that uh check out hank strange uh 2020 was hell in a handbasket patch. You can get that over at hankstrange.com. He also sent me this like little gun here, which I had to build, which is kind of cool. And he sent me a bunch of shirts and patches and stickers and everything. So thank you, Hank Strange. Uh, did Hank too? Uh, we are joined today by a Canadian gun rights activist. I know people didn't think they had Canadian gun rights activists, but they do. But before that, my John Wick. And this dog says, let's talk about Canada. So let's go ahead and talk about Canada. What is up, Mike? Hey, John, can you, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Perfect. Oh, Mike, um, I don't know if I the, first of all, I'd like to you know, say that 
as much as I'm a grand rights activist, I'm definitely not a professional activist. We do have groups in Canada for that, like the CCFR, which has done amazing things for Canadian uh, firearms owners. When it comes down to it now, almost every firearms owner in Canada has to be a guns rights activist. The um, Liberal government has time and time again tried to strip us of our firearms through both laws and then this previous year, uh, they brought out what they call an order in council. So for you Americans, that would pretty much be like a presidential order that just said, we're going to do whatever we want and you don't have anything to say about it. So in that, uh, they banned approximately 1,500 firearms, which a lot of people didn't even know and still don't know were made illegal at that point in time. And they are essentially in possession of prohibited property now and can't even use it, waiting on a buyback program that may or may not happen. How is it a buyback program if they've never owned it? Well, that's it. I never bought it from them, so how are they buying it back from me? And that's what a lot of people are saying. Yeah, you guys don't have a Second Amendment uh, uh, Second Amendment there, do you? No, we don't. Um, essentially, firearms in Canada are a privilege which in order to legally own firearms in Canada, you have to have a license. And everybody knows that once the government says you have to be licensed for something, that's not a right. It's a privilege. Yeah. How, how is the process of getting a firearms license? The process in Canada is you first, you have to do uh, one course, which is uh, the possession acquisition license, which is only for hunting style firearms, so shotguns and rifles. If you wish to own pistols, then you have to do a restricted possession acquisition course. Once you've done those courses, you then have to send in the paperwork to the government, you've done the course, as well as an application, and a fee, of course, for them to go over and do a background check and all, a big rigmarole. Um, with that as well, you're essentially signing away your rights to privacy because they entered onto the computer, and if you are issued a, a license, after that, you have a continuous eligibility so daily, the computer runs your name through to ensure that you haven't um, committed any uh, violent crimes or... So that's um, daily? Daily, the, the, it goes through the computer, yes. You, so you get a background check every single day? Every single day. Wow. So uh, with that, see if you can make sense of this. The government continues to try to take firearms from what's proven to be the most law-abiding citizens in Canada by that background check run daily. Yet, where we can't be trusted with these firearms. Firearms still, to this day, flow fairly freely, illegally across the border between Canada and the United States. Now, no way am I blaming the United States for this. It's honestly our weak politicians not willing to enforce the laws that we already have against criminals. It's so much easier to go after the low-hanging fruit, the people like myself that are law-abiding citizens. Right. Uh, G-Webs is talking about how the Canadian government was willing to pay for a plan for a buyback and no company would take the contract. I think IBM has now taken that contract. Yeah, they put it out for proposal to a few companies and they didn't get anything to get anything. One HR company in Canada had answered a bid and they were going to supply somebody of management or something like that. Now, the Canadian firearms community got together very quickly and applied pressure to that company, and they backed out of the council contract. 
now what appears to be um, IBM has been contracted to create the program that they're going to use. Now, my obviously concern with this is IBM's created other programs for the government in Canada that have gone way over budget and haven't worked properly, such as the Phoenix Pay System that's used by the government for government employees, which if you look into that, there was huge problems. Um, further, this program that they're creating for here could easily be used other places with your incoming government down there and how they are, uh, I'm not going to say totally anti-firearm, but they definitely have their leftist leanings, for lack of a better term, on that. Oh, yeah. How oh, hard would it be for them to use that down there as well once it's already created? Yeah, we would have to fight that tooth and nail. Uh, Chris Shoemake has a question. He wants to know, what is the cost of firearms training? Pardon? What was that? What's the cost of firearms training in Canada? The cost of training varies. It's all done by private instructors. So sometimes you can get lucky and you can find it. You're going to be talking in Canadian dollars probably, right? Yes, in Canadian dollars. So depending on the day, um, obviously add a few more for the American because your dollars worth more than ours. Um, in Canadian dollars, if you're lucky, you can find each course at $80 each. That's $160. I think the average right now is about $125 each. A hundred so price probably about a couple hundred dollars US. Well, and once, yeah, and once you get the uh training done and you send in everything, how long does it take before you actually get your license? They say it's a minimum of 30 days. Right now, I believe the backlog is anywhere between four and six months that you're waiting. Some oh, people wow. have been known to wait up to a year. Wow, that's like our NFA items. <laughs> That's about the same amount of time I would have to wait to buy a machine gun here. Yep, and that's just to buy a normal hunting rifle. Yeah, that is uh, crazy. Um, gun website says that is a great point. That's a plan or a test run for the United States to use that program for the United States. Okay, now uh, let's talk about the firearms that you can own because I know you cannot own... Let's like before the new restrictions, what could you own and what could you not own? Could you own machine guns? Can you own suppressors? Can you own, uh, you know, magazines holding more than 10 rounds? What's the restrictions there? The restrictions, that's where the laws can get convoluted. The, until the, uh, uh, last year's restrictions, we could uh, own AR-15s. They were classified as restricted firearms. Those restricted firearms, you were only allowed to use them at a gun range. You're only allowed to transport them between your house and a gun range. That's the same classification as pistols. Wow. Uh, I, pistols. I, I carry were, a pistol everywhere, and I carry an AR-15 in my trunk. Yeah, no, we can't do that here. <laughs> um, definitely anything automatic is prohibited. It has been for a very, very long time. Um, since 1995, um, which was when Canadians, we know it as Bill C-68, the Firearms Act came in, any semi-automatic rifle cannot have a magazine of more than five rounds. Wow. So our, That's insane. Our AR-15s, um, we have to have them pinned. So you can have a 30-round magazine, but it can only legally be allowed to hold five rounds. So whether it's by crimp or a rivet, that is the maximum capacity of that magazine. 
Wow. Uh, that, that's insane. I think California has the, and New Jersey and Maryland has 10, but five is just insane. Uh, is there any type of uh, uh, concealed uh, carry permits in Canada? Rich wants to know. Blind Rich wants to know. There is a permit, but I believe if you went through the public records, there's only actually like two or three issued in Canada at this time. The In order to meet the criteria for a concealed carry permit, essentially you have to believe your life's in danger and the police has to agree that your life's in danger and they cannot adequately protect you. Wow. So, so it's hard. <laughs> Oh, it is. It is. It's there is a um, what's called a wilderness carry permit for uh, pistols and revolvers, which is if you're a trapper or a prospector, you can apply for that permit uh, for protection from wildlife in the bush. But outside of that, uh, your pistols they are restricted classified. So once again, you can only use them at a gun range, and you can only transport them between your house and and the gun range, or between your house and a gunsmith. Wow, that is uh, crazy because I carry a gun wherever I go and I would feel awkward without one. So. Yeah, you know, it's a, a lot of the um, American friends that I have, they're the same way. They they have carry permits or they live in a constitutional constitutional carry area where, yeah, they carry all the time. Where up here, the only... The only people that have guns are your police. Yeah, okay. With the AR-15s, uh, can it be fully featured AR-15s right now? Um, uh, not the new regulations, but the old, under the old regulations. Under the old regulations, yes, they could be fully featured AR-15s. So um, unlike the California laws, which uh, I've looked into are ridiculous, they, they yeah. could be just, just like any AR-15 that you'd have. With the exception of, um, they of course cannot be convertible, so they uh, cannot accept a fully auto sear or anything like that. So then that's uh, within your lower, of course. But your your pistol grip and everything else is all perfectly legal, or was perfectly legal in Canada before the OIC ban. Okay, now let's get into the new regulations. What did that do? The new regulations essentially overnight it banned. Um, like I said, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 firearms. So anything that they could uh, say was um, an AR-15 or a variant of an AR-15, um, including things such as the Duria Mark 12 shotgun, which looks like an AR, but it's not. Right? Functions entirely different. The um, BCL-102 is another good example of that, or the Stag-10, where they are patterned after the AR-10, but they're not an AR-10. They were included in the ban. Um, the simple um, uh, M305, so the Chinese version of the uh, M1A, that was banned. The M1A was banned, of course. Um, most things that they, the way they said it were military-style assault rifles is what they called them. So anything that even looks like one, um, including of all the stupid things, the Mossberg 715T, which is the... Um, it's their 715, uh, what is it, Plankster 22, I believe. Just uh, yeah, a so plastic 22? version to make it look hold like on, an AR on. and hey, hey. band. 
Wait, 22. They're banning 22s that look like ARs. Oh, yes. Yes, they, they banned the 20, the 22 that looked like an AR. The Even before this, the Canadian Firearms Lab, uh, when they tried to bring in, bring in the Blaze 22, so once again, a Mossberg 22, that looked like an AK. They didn't even look at the firearm. They saw the picture of it. It looked like an AK. They called it a variant and banned it in Canada, even though it's functionally no different than the normal uh, semi-automatic 22. Now, uh, a question for you. Like, um, a lot of my ARs and AKs are not... I bought through private sales, um, plus the one, other ones. Uh, I have like 150 of them. Um, and most of them, the government doesn't know I have, which I think is the way it should be. Um, but in Canada... They, you guys have a registry, right? So they know everything that you have. Um, for this would be a little bit confusing, possibly, but for anything that was restricted, so pistols, AR-15s, or anything within the restricted category, there is a registry for those firearms. Anything that is um, like your hunting rifle and your shotgun, there is no longer registry. The Liberals did introduce that in '95. There was registry for a few years, and it was essentially. A multi-billion-dollar boondog. It costs a ton of money, and they canceled it. Uh, a conservative government canceled it because even the police were saying that it was useless. It wasn't helping them solve crimes. It wasn't helping stop crime or anything. It was just a waste of money. So they removed that part of the registry, but the restricted registry stayed, and that's been around for once again longer than I've been a firearms owner. So it's they know everybody that has restricted firearms. They know in your house or they know what you own um so like say pistols ars you know anything like that that they classify as restricted there is a registry for it so at any given time they can come knock on your door and we know you have these right now there's a bunch of people trying to ban uh what they call ghost guns which i have like a a, a polymer a polymer 80 which is uh it, uh, unfinished frame that's not a firearm that they send to you, then you finish it and you turn it into a firearm. I also have a Ghost Gunner 3, which helped me mail out AR 15s. So they're non serialized um, AR 15s and non serialized pistols. Are you allowed to do that in Canada? No, you're not. The When it comes to a pistol, um, they're uh, fully, uh, fully restricted, of course, and fully registered. So if you were to buy just a frame, which you can buy frames, uh, right now it's fairly common for people to buy the TT33 frames, that comes to you as restricted with a uh, registration certificate. With an AR, um, up until a couple years ago, you could purchase 80% loaders, uh, lowers that were not completed and they were not registered or seal serialized. The Liberals very quickly jumped on that and made it so they were an 80% lower, so a um, a paperweight is all they are at that point in time, was a restricted firearm, so you had to register. Well, Now, uh, he, uh, something funny for that to make sense of this, any restricted firearm during transport has to be an OPEG case and have a trigger lock on it. So you would have to have that 80% lower in a locked case with a trigger lock on that 80% lower during transport to be legal. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, Flying Rich wants to know how many Canadian boating accidents are there going to be? 
if you follow a lot of the firearms pages, it sounds like there's going to be an awful lot of body accidents. The uh, common joke up here is, oh, I sold it to Mike from Canmore. <laughs> Mike from what? Canmore. It's a uh, town in Alberta. Oh, okay, I have no idea what Canmore <laughs> We're American. It's a big brand. skiing place that close to Banff National Park. <laughs> we have one Canadian person, and that's you. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> all right, all right. So, uh, how long do you have? Do you have to, like, when they create the buy, how long do they, you have before you have to turn it in, your AR agent? When they brought the, the OIC last spring, they were saying they were going to, it's a um, two years. So they were giving themselves two years pretty much to either come out with a way to confiscate from them um, or to give a different classification of license as they did in 1995. So they're prohibited. You can own, own it. We're going to give you a this class of license means you can continue to own it, but you can't use it. You can't sell it. You can't do anything. And when you die, we're going to take it anyways. So let's call that confiscation by attrition. Um, or give them those two years to come up with a buyback program that, of course, they'll offer pennies on the dollar by then because as soon as you make something prohibited, it's not worth anything anymore. I, uh, if they make a if they make a confiscation program here, kind of like calling it buyback programs, uh, I'm not going to do it. I don't think a lot of people are going to do it here. Uh, if you look at New Jersey, when they did their magazine, where they wanted you to turn in all your magazines that held more than 10 rounds, they uh, exactly zero was turned in. Out exactly of, uh, zero. Yeah. Out of uh, when when Connecticut uh, enacted their, uh, their AR-15 registration, out of the 100,000 AR-15s in Connecticut, uh, 50 people registered, you know, 50 of them are now registered or something crazy like that. So there's a lot of non-compliance when they come out with this stuff in the United States. What does the non-compliance look like in Canada? Is there a lot of people that are not planning on complying or is it different because they know that you guys have it? Once again, it's a lot of people are saying they will not comply. And when it, when it comes down to brass tacks, we'll see how many people actually follow through on that. Um, of course, the hope is that, you know, as a group, everybody does. But there's always going to be people that are um, afraid of the law and afraid of what will happen, you know, afraid of being carted off to jail or, you know, having things seized or taken. And it, may, it makes it tough. It really does. Because when they're threatening you with your livelihood, your families, everything else, it's going to go either way. I really, I sincerely hope that mass non-compliance is what happens. But I'm not going to bet the farm on it. Yeah, uh, that is that's going to be tough. All right, we have some stupid ass firearm laws here, here too. Uh, for example, there's a big thing about pistol braces because here you're not allowed to have a rifle that's uh, with a barrel less than 16 inches unless you have it registered under the NFA as a uh, National Firearms Act. Uh, uh, like class three weapon and whatever class three gun. Uh, do you have anything like that? Uh, any type of restrictions on barrel lengths in Canada, or is that one thing that you guys are a little bit more freer than us? That that is one thing we do have is anything under eighteen inch barrel on a rifle of becomes semi automatic. It also there's an overall length that the firearms have to be. Um, really. 
So okay. yeah, eight, eight inches or under becomes restricted. Um, we don't have the SBR classification like what you have. So our AR-15s, we could have 10-inch ARs, and they were still just restricted. They didn't become prohibited because of the short barrel on it. Um, but no matter how long your barrel was, NAR could not be non-restricted. It was a restricted okay. firearm just based on what it was. So you don't have that restriction because everything's restricted. Yes. Now, pistols are a different story. A pistol in Canada has to have a barrel longer than four inches. Really? Yes. Four inches and under becomes a prohibited firearm. Oh, wow. Because uh, uh, I think my carry pistol has like a three and a half inch barrel. Yep. Um, pistols as well. 32 ACP pistols are prohibited by name. 32 um, ACP pistols? What's that? 32 ACP pistols are prohibited? Yep, by name. Who the hell carries a 32 ACP pistol anyway? <laughs> Nobody in Canada, obviously. <laughs> Nobody in the United States, obviously, either, but that's for like a different reason. Because... Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. That's all good. The, so, like I said, your 32 ACPs by name, I believe the 25 ACPs by name as well. I'm not 100% sure on that one. What um, do they do? Look up like calibers from like 1909 and ban them? <laughs> when they brought it in in 1995 for those pistol classifications, essentially what they were doing is they were trying to, um, Let's say, uh, I'm going to say their idea of compromise. So we're going to tell, tell you we want to take everything, but when you fight back, we're only going to take a little bit. We're going to call it compromise. You're still getting screwed, and we're still getting what we want, but we're going to try to make you feel good about it. So by yeah. going with that four inches and under, they essentially made it, they can take half the pistols off the market and make them prohibited. So only uh, prohibited owners, uh, like prohibited licensed people can still have them. Um. And no more can be brought into Canada. Nobody can be sold to any restricted owner in Canada anymore. The person has to have what is called a 12.6 license classification, which is prohibited. Now, if you do not renew your license in time, if you're a 12.6 holder, you can no longer keep them at that point in time. You have to either turn them into the government or sell them to another 12.6 holder, just if you don't renew your license in time. It's just another way for them to confiscate them. You also cannot um, pass them down to family members unless they were built before, I want to say it was 1947, then they become a different classification. It's uh, They deliberately make the laws as convoluted as possible to be able to confiscate and seize as many as possible. Okay. Uh, Guns and Barbecue says, we all know that the weapon of choice in Canada are hockey sticks and hockey pucks. I'm sorry to break this to you, my friend, but it's not hockey sticks and hockey pucks. Have you ever had to try to fight a Canada goose? That's our secret weapon. Actually, I had chased by a, go a, can a Canadian goose one time. They're mean. Oh, yeah, they're very mean. Um, They're freaking very mean. How many... Uh, in the United States, uh, no one's really sure, but they estimate between 400 and 500 million guns, which is more people, more guns than people in the United States. What's it like in Canada? I know you guys have like a much smaller population, but what is your like guns to population mix? If you know, if you don't know, that's fine. I, I'm honestly not sure about what the exact numbers are. Um, 
I believe, if I remember correctly, the numbers like seven million guns that the government knows about, but there's a lot more that they obviously wouldn't know about. Like say, once again, prior to 1995 and the law then, um, no long arms were registered. The compliance level on the registration of long arms after 95, the ones that people already owned, was probably fairly low. Um, an old farmer wasn't going to go and register as 22 or go through the licensing program. He's 80 years old. He doesn't care. It's for taking care of coyotes or whatever. There was a lot of those old guys that just kept their guns, kept their mouths shut, and you know didn't really care what the government was doing and never registered. And so the exact number of guns in Canada, I... I couldn't even come close to guessing. I believe there's 2.5 million gun owners in Canada, like how licensed owners. Are, how many That's people licensed. are? In Canada. How many people are in Canada? Uh, I believe we're up to 31 or 32 million. Okay. Uh, uh, so I know, like, uh, it's just under 50 percent of the U.S. is our Americans are gun owners. So it's a uh, a little bit less um, percentage wise in gun wise, so you probably don't have enough. Well, I always like to see the facts where they always say the United States have more guns than any other country in the world, and I'm always like, yeah, and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, I, I think it's I think it's certainly a good thing you do, and I, I wish we had more up here because we'd have more of a political voice then, and the government would take us a little bit more seriously when we did do things like send in petitions as we did last year. We sent in the largest registered petition in Canadian history and the Liberal government under Justin Trudeau pretty much looked at it, tore it in half, went, yeah, whatever, don't care. Uh, that is, that's insane. Um, how about suppressors? Uh, I know in Europe, because like I got a, my wife is a European, so, uh, uh, you know, my wife's a European, so you know, uh, so she, we have a lot of family over there. And uh, one of my family members over there in Italy is a huge gun person, and they're allowed to have suppressors. It's not been registered. You can just go up, buy one over the counter. Uh, in Canada, can you have suppressors? No, they're 100% prohibited. Okay. All right. I like suppressors. Because they protect my ears. <laughs> That's why I love shooting with suppressors. They they try to petition for that up here for you know hearing protection and other reasons like that. And it it never got traction. It's it's something else where the the people that watch movies, you know, they believe that you know they go into a pistol, they make things hundred percent silent and no matter what, you know, you can't hear it. The, the Hollywood has definitely wrecked any chance of that, I think, ever happening in Canada is the misinformation where yeah. suppressors would be great for, you know, hearing protection of the range of that. You know, so I've got a big 338 Lapua rifle with a big muzzle brake on it, and I'm pretty sure that anybody that shoots next to me at the range absolutely hates my guts. Yeah, well, uh, Mythbusters did something where they, like, basically said, hey, suppressors aren't a weapon of, of assassins. Uh, and they don't make a, a weapon, like, silent. Uh, they're still very loud, but it protects your ears. And I sent that someone, one to uh, someone I know that's very anti-gun. And they watched it, and they're like, no, they're just they're just spewing the gun propaganda. The gun, the gun lobby propaganda. I was like, it's 
freaking Mythbusters. <laughs> it's like they're not spreading. Hundred percent. It's and like it's it, misinformation. I mean, it's not from uh, like GOA or NRA or FBC. It's from MythBusters on Discovery Channel. <laughs> okay, uh, GWebs has a question. Um, he says you have a very anti-president uh, uh, or prime min- prime minister, I guess it is in Canada. Um, once he's once he's gone, can these uh, laws be removed, uh, or do you think the population is just too anti-gun to remove the laws? It's a it's a hot topic in politics because a lot of the population is centered in um, the, the east. So in your major city centers like Toronto, I believe Toronto, their population is almost as much as entire Western Canada combined. So the, those city folks really do dictate the laws and that sort of stuff. It's, as I said, a political hot topic. And the conservative government, they always tell us, that, yeah, we're going to roll these things back. And they do roll some things back, but not as much as we'd like. So as much as they can get rid of some of the laws the liberals come into, they really, they tread lightly on it simply because they want to win the next election. And if they go too far and they upset too many of the swing votes, the next election, liberals will be back and then those laws will come back on the liberals. It's, it's a back and forth battle like that that's been going on and on. It, we don't, in our charter of rights, we don't have property rights like you have in the States. So we can't even argue it under that as being, well, it's private property because for as far as they're concerned, well, it doesn't matter if we're going to ban it, we're going to take it. So the the politics on that, it needs to be changed in such a way to ensure everybody has rights and everybody's rights are protected through through, through law to make it so in, in the future liberal governments can't do this. And no government wants to step up and do that. They don't want to step up and say, you know, these, this belongs to a person and under no way should the government be allowed to take it. They don't want to do that because it's going to, it's going to lose their next election because it's going to be the throw back and forth. The liberals try and say, well, they want the conservatives to, for everybody to be able to carry machine guns, which isn't the truth. But as you know, misinformation, um, as you're talking about through Mythbusters and everything else, misinformation and the mainstream oh. media, oh, they myth- spread whatever they think people want to hear. Mythbusters have actually doing a good job. They actually said, "Hey, look, uh, th- these these suppressors don't make a gun silent. Uh, they're not for assassins. They're for everyday people who want to protect their hearing. And they're not like a like a pro gun show. They just bust myths." And yeah, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I understand that. It's how you followed up with that your statement before saying that oh. you know people said that there was the pro gun propaganda. Yeah, well, that, no, that's what somebody told me, and I was just like, I was just like, what are you talking about? But people will take that and carry it, and people that want to believe it are going to believe it, and they're going to spread it further to other people that want to believe it, and that they, essentially they try to turn a lie into the truth, and people will believe it if enough people say it. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's unfortunate that uh, these misconceptions um, are are out there. Okay, uh, so uh, with the population of Canada with guns and everything, you said 
Uh, Toronto kind of makes all the decisions because it's bigger than the rest of uh, Canada. Do you think that is a good example of why the uh, an, an electoral college system is a good idea? A hundred percent. When it comes to elections in Canada, the polls have closed in Ontario and the elections have been decided before the polls have even closed here in Alberta. The uh, what's called the 905 district, which is an area code around Toronto, which has a lot of swing votes. The elections really are decided right there. So if Quebec votes one way and Ontario votes one way, the rest of the province, it doesn't or provinces doesn't matter what they say. That is who's going to get elected based on their population. So if we have something such as your electoral college, it, it may give a little bit more fairness. But I don't see that ever happening because that would uh, require a uh, constitutional change and for um, Quebec to possibly give up some of their power, which uh, for Quebec, the power has been a huge thing for a long time and something they've, for lack of a better term, fought hard for. They Quebec holds more seats in our Senate because we have two levels of government like you do. Quebec holds more seats in the Senate than all the Western provinces combined. So oh, their wow. their voice is huge, and ours is nothing. Wow. Uh, there was a question from uh, G Webs. Uh, do you think teaming up with Canada, the USA, in Mexico for an American a human rights to self defense? I guess I'm like North American human rights to self defense could have any legs. Would it work for awareness? I believe it would work for awareness. I don't know if it would actually have any real political clout in Canada. But awareness, it could help. Like it's anything that is positive media, positive awareness to get more people understanding what the truth is and what the laws already are. That's that would be huge. In Canada, the average non-gun owner has no idea what the laws already are that we have to abide by. They think that it's you know anybody can go to a store and buy a gun. And a lot of people with this COVID were rudely surprised by that. They went to uh, one store that I know the owner. And they said, you know, with what's going on, we, we want a gun, we want a protection. And he's like, well, I can sell you bear spray, but until you go through all these steps, you cannot get a firearm. And they didn't know that. You know, I did a FOIA request on bear spray to see how well bear spray works. And it fails like 30% of the time, which, uh, so it works 70% of the time, but 30% of the time you're going to get eaten by a bear. So. Uh, do you know how to tell the difference between Black bear crap and grizzly bear crap? Oh, uh, no. Grizzly bear well, crap. Black bear crap has usually got, you know, berries in it and a little bit of hair. Grizzly bear crap smells like pepper and has bells in it. <laughs> I have no idea what that is supposed to mean. Smells like pepper, as in pepper spray and the bells. You know, those hippies like oh. to wear the bells on their shoes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm from uh, uh, pretty, I'm from like right outside D.C., the DC metropolitan area. So <laughs> I really know nothing about the outdoors. Okay. Well, anybody listening to your uh, uh, program from, you know, a rural area may have gotten a chuckle out of that and more <laughs> so from, you know, the rural or urban person such as yourself having no clue. Yeah. I thought you were talking about like reindeer or something. <laughs> it's like, what? Nope. No, no, I'm north, but not quite that far north. Yeah, crazy. Uh, uh, 27% of the time, the bear thanks you for the spice. 
pretty much. Yeah, but yeah, I, I work out in the wilderness, so it's uh, I work in oil and gas here in Canada. It's uh, Alberta's um, like Texas, but colder. Yeah, people are much the same. We got ranches and oil and gas, and that's uh, like my uh, my field of work is I build pipelines. So we're out in the bush where there's bears and cougars at all the time, and the people in the cities would like to think that you get attacked by bears and cougars a lot more often than you do. You don't even see them that often. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alberta is known for uh, the Alberta Stampede or something like that. I don't know. Calgary Stampede. A Calgary Stampede, yeah. Calgary's in Alberta, right? Pardon? Is Calgary in Alberta? Yes, Calgary's in Alberta. It's in yeah, southern that's Alberta. That's what I thought. See, that's I don't where uh, Leonardo name. DiCaprio went to Calgary. And uh, we have what's called Chinooks down there, which is a warm wind coming out of the west. So in the middle of winter, you can be in Edmonton and it can be minus 30. You can go to Calgary and it can be plus 5. And they're only 250 kilometers apart. Well, he was down there, and a Chinook come in, and he started making a big deal out of global warming, not having a clue what he was talking about. Uh, well, he is from Hollywood, right? He's something special. Hey, man, uh, Canadian, ha Canadian, uh, Canadian, Canada has some uh, some national treasures like uh, Wolverine and Deadpool. Wolverine or De uh, Deadpool. Yeah, they're both Canadian superheroes. Ryan Reynolds, who has some of the funniest videos ever. He has a fun for like uh, aviation gin, and he's like aviation gin, pure American gin owned by a Canadian. <laughs> That's awesome. He, uh, Ryan Reynolds actually is a, uh, I, I, I will say he's actually, I guess, a Canadian treasure for a lot of the. Um, stuff he does for like the Vancouver Children's Hospital that he's oh, yeah. gone down there numerous times in costume on his own time just to go you know raise kids spirits that sort of stuff he's he's definitely a Canadian for other Canadians to be proud of yeah I, I've seen he does a lot with uh, also with Make a Wish Foundation and a lot a lot of stuff with kids like especially kids with cancer uh, my niece yeah. has uh, brain cancer so um that's why I like him so much because uh, oh, I, I know what these kids go through. Oh, it, it's huge. He, uh, there was a child in Edmonton here who uh, was dying of cancer and wrote him a letter. And it was before, it was before the first Deadpool movie, I believe it was either the first one, the second one. He actually came up and did a private pre-screening in the children's hospital with them. And they became pen pals. And right up until when the, uh, Young man lost his battle. Um, they wrote back and forth, and he even came out for the funeral afterwards. Like they became friends. Like that's it's the type of person he is. Um, I don't I don't know his political leanings. Honestly, I don't really care. It'd be nice if he could get on the um, gun rights side of things, but he's doing what's best for him, and I think what's best for everybody, and just kind of keeping his nose out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a, that's a good point. Um, so can, so a couple questions, non-gun related about Canada and the laws there. You guys also don't have a first amendment, right? Correct. Or you do, but it's not, it's watered down. Watered down. Yes. We have, 
Um, your First Amendment is your free speech, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so we, we do have the right to express, freedom of expression, and the um, freedom to assemble and peaceful protest. But as we're seeing right now with uh, the COVID stuff, that is, it, it is certainly watered down compared to yours, and it seems to be very easily removed at their convenience. Well, I know there was a uh, comedian who uh, made fun of uh, transgender people, uh, and he got charged with some type of crime. Oh, he may, he may have been charged with a uh, hate crime, and that's... yeah. I honestly don't know what the climate's like in the States for that. Like, up here in Canada, we are overall... I'd like to say very accepting of everybody. The even in Alberta, where everybody you know thinks that you know we're backwards rednecks and that. The I'd like to say the average person's political beliefs are a lot like mine. Essentially, we want gay married couples to be able to adopt children, grow marijuana, and protect it with AR-15s. Yeah, so, I mean that's what I like here, but you know. Uh, we're, we're we're also allowed to say to speak out against anything that unless it incites a violence. You can't go, hey, go kill that person over there, yell fire in a movie theater. But other than that, you can say whatever the hell you want, and you can't be charged with any crime. See, our hate speech laws. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how exactly they're written. Um, or how often they're actually enforced. I know like we have hate crime laws, so if you were to go and um, uh, damage a mosque or a church or anything like that, that could be classified as a hate crime. And as a hate crime, you could, uh, uh, of course, face charges under that. I believe there could be some um, included in the speech, too, that you're not allowed to incite hate. So. Yeah. That's a real, that's a tricky one because as much as I believe everybody should have you know their basic rights and be able to say whatever they want, um, people should be able to say whatever they want. But there should also there's consequences for your actions sometimes. Yeah. Right. So if you're going, you're saying something is going to upset a ton of people or possibly cause harm to people, then it becomes something different. You know, not nothing we should do to cause should cause harm to another human being, and that includes you know the um, the transgender people, the gay people, the um, as uh, as I've been taught essentially the LGBTQ. We're now just calling the alphabet mafia. Um, it you can't. It, it's not right to harm them. You know whether you you believe in them or not. You should not car- cause harm to another person. You know, yeah. there's no need for it. If they're not harming you, why would you say or do anything to harm them? Okay. Okay. Another gun-related question: uh, Is there any restrictions on reloading in Canada? No, there isn't. Actually, that's of all the stupid things. You have to have a license to go and purchase ammunition. You, you do have not a- need a license <laughs> to purchase your reloading equipment or projectiles, powder, primers, or anything like that. So you have to have a license to purchase ammunition? Yes. Wow. That's kind of insane. Oh, it is. So, for an example, I can't just send um, 
say my neighbor, if he's going to town, he's driving past Cabela's. If he doesn't have a license, I can't ask him to grab me a box of shells for anything because he doesn't have a license. You know, it's, and when you go to purchase it, they ask to see your license and they look at it, they make sure that it's valid and everything else. Wow. Um, that is, uh, that's kind of crazy. It's entirely crazy. Yeah, that's why I like to have people on from like different countries to talk about uh, their gun laws. Because you know, I, I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to do this uh, anytime for you, John. It's uh, it, it's good to share information, and you know, anytime you have questions, or if any of your uh, viewers have questions, you know, it's I'd I'd be happy to go over anything with anybody that's curious. It's uh, as you mentioned earlier, the awareness is a huge thing and try to pe make people more aware of what's going on around the world, and especially being our closest neighbor and closest ally, what's happening in Canada could very well happen down there, because you know that your political people are looking to Canada and looking at what we're doing, and could very well try to copy it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, internet sales in Canada. Is there internet sales in Canada? Yes, there is. Um, I can go to any number of uh, firearm sites on, uh, like Canadian firearm sites online. I can purchase a firearm offline. Uh, when you do that, they take your uh, license information and they run it through the database to make sure you're legal. And then they send you your firearm through the mail. Um, private sales, same thing as there are some uh, websites that I can sell online, but uh, it is my responsibility to ensure that the purchaser has a license. Right. right or you know obviously I'd be breaking the law by selling to an unlicensed individual and they'd also be by breaking the law by purchasing a firearm uh, without a license yeah so um let me ask you this uh so if you go to a Canadian website and you want to buy a gun they run your information and then they mail you the gun directly to your house yes that's that's I would love to have that here. We don't. We have to go through it. Gets mailed to an FFL. So and your I was asking mailed to an FFL. Can you buy firearms offline, like say through uh, Cabela's down there online? Yeah, but they send. They don't run your background. The they send it to an FFL that runs your background. Okay. But I would love to have just Cabela's run your background and send you a firearm. It'd make it a lot more streamlined for you. That was that. That was definitely great. So that's one thing Canada has that we don't have. Yeah, it's yeah. They just send it to you, you know, either by courier or by Canada, literally Canada Post, like the U.S. Post system. They stick it in the mail and mail it to your front door. Now, that is actually I like that a lot. It's the one thing I will say that's good about our licensing system is my understanding you down there when you go to buy a firearm, you have a waiting period when you purchase it, correct? No. There's no waiting period when you buy a gun down there? It depends on your state, but like in Virginia, we don't. Okay, so if you're licensed up here, um, most often, you can like if any long arm, so a shotgun rifle, if you have anything non-restricted, you go ahead and you pay for it, you walk out to the meeting. As soon as they see your license, right, you're good to go. Um, with a restricted firearm, of course, that has to, uh, the registration has to change. In Alberta, it's not uncommon for that to happen the same day. You walk in, you pick your firearm, you pay for it, 
they apply for the change of registration. A little while later, they you know get confirmation that it's changed, and you get uh, uh, what used to be known as the uh, STATT, so a short-term authorization transport. The authorization to transport a firearm is now part of your license. It used to be a separate piece of paper for every firearm. Welcome to liberals. So you had to get that piece of paper on your registration before you could take it home. Now, like say once again in Alberta, not uncommon to be the same day. You go to some places in Ontario, I've heard of people waiting up to six weeks for a change in registration. Oh, wow. Uh, G-Web said there is only nine states with a waiting period in the United States. So about 41 states you can you walk out the same day okay i was under the impression it was more than that no it's 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 only like nine okay they probably want to give you the impression they're more than that <laughs> just because that's what they do <laughs> well of course yeah so where do you see canadian firearms laws going from here do you think they're going to get more restrictive do you think they're going to get less restrictive what do you think as long as it is a anytime we have a liberal government they're going to try to make it more restrictive it's a big part of their platform and they can continue to try to uh, make the laws as i see it worse and worse and most firearms owners see it um and make it harder to legally possess and use firearms as much as they can they you know, it's this last time they said they used an OIC, um, which we see as being undemocratic because there was no discussion about it. It was just overnight, yep, this is done. Um, or they'll pass more laws. And those laws could be anything um, from, you know, the, they'll ban pistols altogether, say, right now, instead of just, you know, being restricted, they're just going to prohibit them like the AR 15 or, um, well, it's part of the OIC. One of the things that they banned was anything with a um, muzzle energy over 10,000 joules. So people that owned um, 50 caliber rifles or even, I think, the 404 Gibbs and a bunch like that, that they do like your big African game rifles, became prohibited as well because they produce too much muzzle energy in their face, which makes no sense at all. That, you know, as much as they're not going after hunting rifles or going after military style assault rifles they deliberately banned hunting rifles and that's going to continue it'll be down to you know um, some places in the world that have laws that each rifle is registered individually and you have to have a reason for owning that particular rifle so you need something for coyotes or you can have a 223 or you want to go big hunt game hunting you can have nothing more than a 308 like they will try to push it to that point because it's part of their party platform they don't believe the civilians should have firearms. Yeah. So yeah. Canadians hunt a lot, right? Or, yes. Well, depending on where you Alberta. are. Yeah, Alberta hunting is huge out here. Yeah, that's what that's what I've heard about Alberta. I'm kind of familiar. I'm not a huge hockey fan, so I have to know all the different things in Canada because hockey Canada, you know. I, I certainly hope you're an Oilers fan though. No. No? No. Hold on. You're not a Toronto uh, fan, are you? Uh, if you look at my wall here, um, I it's full 
I got I got a wall that is uh, let's see, Sports Illustrated all caps, uh, champs in 2018 caps, Sports Illustrated Ovechkin, Washington Post finally, um, TSN Capital of Wins Stanley Cup. Uh, I got uh, Braden Holpe making the save. I got uh, a Stanley Cup ticket framed. I have Capitals hockey, like used hockey sticks from the Capitals on my wall. Um, I have Winter Classic stuff. I have autographs from Backstrom, Ovechkin. I have a, a hockey helmet signed by all the Caps players from the 2015 team. <laughs> That's quite the collection. I have a part of the net where Ovechkin scored his 500th goal. Holy crap. Yeah. I have an assigned Ovechkin hockey stick. Got a signed uh, hockey stick from Rod Langway and Kevin Hatcher and some of the old people. Scott Stevens. So, yeah, I have a, I would say I'm a Caps fan. I would certainly say you're a big Caps fan. One hundred percent. At least uh, from what you're listing off there, Washington Post, they definitely got it right when they said finally. Yeah, forty, like, like, like forty years. Thirty nine, but whatever. But yeah, I'm a huge Caps fan. Uh, G Web wants to know Is there any big game, uh, big animals in Canada? Like most of your wildlife are the size of a koala bears, right? <laughs> I think that was um, a joke. Yeah, 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 it definitely. Do. There's the certain some big uh, game up here, you know. We of course we have our grizzly bears, you know, to your, you know, like your Alaskan browns, um, polar bears, even bigger yet, you know, moose. I don't, uh, do you have moose over there? Uh, probably, yeah, I think it's in Minnesota. Oh, yeah, well, it, you know, a moose. In, in Washington. Big... Not Washington, no. Minnesota and, like, Maine. Yeah, Minnesota and Maine would have moose for sure. You know? So and those are, you know, well over 1,000-pound animals. They're big and they're actually kind of dumb. Um, we have polar bears in the United States still. Pardon? We have polar bears still. Yeah, oh, yeah, let's get up in Alaska, you have polar bears. Yeah. But I, I don't count Alaska. They're, I don't know, kind of like your redheaded stepchild. Uh, no, Alaska, we we get a lot of oil from Alaska, so there's that. A lot of good people come out of Alaska. We uh, being in this air, area, the uh, Alaska highways here. So, you know, any most often I'm at work and staying in my uh, travel trailer in places, and I get to share. Uh, campgrounds with a lot of uh, Alaskans traveling back and through between the uh, main United States, I guess the lower 48 and up there. And yeah. I don't think I've met a single one I didn't like. Yeah, Every G-Web single says, one was just a great person. GeoWeb says Canada I mean, is Alaska light. Um, yeah. Canada is, I mean, like Alaska's freaking massive. And it's really close to Russia. People don't realize that. Yeah, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's definitely, I definitely want to go back to Canada. I went to um, a couple places in Canada. I went to uh, like New Brunswick. I didn't really like New Brunswick. Um, and then I went to uh, Nova Scotia, 
which I loved Nova Scotia. It, it, it's really nice out there on the East Coast. And I'll, I'll personally give the invite if you ever make your way up to uh, the Edmonton, Alberta area. I live about 30 minutes north of Edmonton. Make it up here. Maybe come up for a hockey game. You know, I'll be uh, more than happy to have you over to my home and we can have you know a meal and talk over guns face to face and you meet my wife who's staring at me, wondering what's taking me so long. Yeah, well, we're, we're about done here. We've been on for an hour and I do want to thank you. I'm going to do my plugs and I'll give you the final word like I always do. Remember, we are sponsored by uh, Heavenly Natural Products. Go to heavenlyc60.com. Also, Tusk, which is a cryptocurrency focused around guns. This is my awesome watch here from uh, Peace Times 38. Thank you for Hank Strange for the patches and the little model gun and the shirts and everything else. I really appreciate it. Um, we will be back next week uh, with some more awesome guests. Uh, got some uh, some really cool people that I think you, you guys are really going to like from new guests to the show. Uh, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash John Crump. Also, there's a join button below. Hit that join button and join uh the crumpy militia there's different levels you get some free stuff some free shirts some free patches so they're really really cool stuff that you can get uh by hitting that join button and you support the channel like me and everything else uh joe drag says prayer sabella i want to give a shout out to joe drag he is the first person who joined my join button i just activated it yesterday Yep, uh, and that is it. Uh, a really sad thing is, uh, I was supposed to, I had an all expense paid trip to go drive tanks, fire miniguns, and actually shoot tanks. Um, but stuff happened, and uh, I can't go anymore, uh, because of uh, stuff. I'm in East and doing too well, so I'm not gonna leave go so thank you to the gundies for you know inviting me out to texas to go drive tanks and shoot mini guns but so be it all right uh, i'm gonna give you the final word and then we're gonna get out of here well thank you very much for having me john i've uh, enjoyed my time here um i want to thank my friend matt for making the introduction between the two of us oh, yeah, uh, matt's matt, been a for a long time producer on the show Pardon? Matt is officially our producer. Oh, he's officially your producer. Okay, well, Matt, Matt's been a friend of mine for a long time. I have a lot of respect for him, and uh, I've enjoyed watching everything he's been trying to do for the uh, gun owners there in the United States. So it's uh, anything that I can do to help you guys out at all, you know, I'm more than happy to do it. And uh, just as I said earlier, it's you ever make it up here for a hockey game, you're more than welcome to come sit at my table. Thank you um, very much for having me, John. Thank you. Um, on Saturday, I think we're going to be doing a special. I just want to, I forgot to mention this. Uh, and it will be a roundtable discussion of everything that's going on in our country with the Capitol being taken over yesterday, which is kind of insane. Um, and all the protests happening over the summer and stuff like that. The people fighting tooth and nail against each other. We're going to have a roundtable discussion with people who have very uh, widely varying opinions on stuff 
So uh, tune in on Saturday at 10 p.m. And that is it. And we are out of here. Stay right there, Sean. I'll be right back with you in one second. Just want to thank you one more time. <laughs>